This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. All right, so apparently the words line season do not just apply to the NFL Draft. As tis the season here in April, closing in on the NFL Draft 2023, Cardinals Underground, Paul Calvisi, Danny Sarek, Darren Urban, and I'm referring to the fact I I Googled up two words, Buda Baker. You know what came up immediately, top of the fold? Let me just regale both of you with some of the headlines that are out there right now. Once again, hashtag line season. Headline, uh, SB Nation, pros and cons of Raiders' Buda Baker trade with Arizona. NFL Insider theorizes Broncos trade for Cardinal safety Buda Baker. Uh, oh, your mailbag came up, Darren. That's number three. As the Buda Baker saga unfolds, it shines a spotlight on roster building, and there's a picture of the Houston Texans right there. Buda Baker flirting with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles amid trade rumors. Are the Broncos interested in Buda Baker? That's the sixth one. And then we have Cowboys rumors. Proposed trade sees Dallas landing $59 million star. Should I continue or do you get the bird? The Buda Baker. I stopped listening after you said they mentioned my mailbag, Paul. It's, uh, it's so self-serving of you. Well done. That's, that's good. That's what I'm here for. Because, you know, that's it is the offseason to get your bag. And then, you know, it's, it's about I. And then it's about team. Okay, as Bruce Arians used to say, until the team has decided the final 53, no, it is about you. And I just throw that out there as evidence that guess what? Virtually every team in the league would covet a Buda Baker. And for that reason, it ain't happening. At least I don't think so. My take off the top. Anybody? I agree with you. Um, Just because a player has asked for a trade doesn't mean that that player is going to get traded considering in introductory press conferences for both general manager Monty Austin Fort and head coach Jonathan Gannon, Buda Baker was for sure mentioned, and I would probably put money down if I remember correctly, probably the first player mentioned when they were both talking about the players already on this roster and creating that right culture and the type of players who lead by example and what you want to build around because that's exactly what Buda Baker is. And if you didn't already know that, you absolutely knew that after watching hard knocks this past season and seeing the way that he led his team on the field playing through injuries and inspiring his teammates and leading in the locker room there's I I I just can't see the Cardinals wanting to move on from Buda Baker now I I don't think we have enough details as to why that trade request has come through um so that could answer you know that that could change some things once if we get more answers on that front Um, But I think this is a really different situation than DeAndre Hopkins, who has also made it clear that he would like a trade. I just I I see Buda Baker being on this roster come the start of the season. It's funny because um, the Cardinals have had guys 
in recent times that have wanted to be traded. Patrick Peterson in 2018, Chandler Jones in 2021, Jordan Hicks in 2021, Andy Isabella in 2022. Uh, they all asked for trades. A couple of them, Hicks and Isabella, actually got permission to look into it, which Hopkins apparently has too, and nothing came of any of those. Um, so there is precedent, lots of it, that a guy can ask about being traded and not get traded. The other thing I think is interesting, and again, we don't, we just know by reports, but reportedly this is something the Cardinals have known about for a couple of months now, and it just happened to be out publicly now. But, you know, to me, if he talked about it a couple of months ago and it's just hitting public now and it sure seems like the way it hit, with which was almost simultaneously by a bunch of national reporters, which tells me the agent leaked it. Um, it, it yeah, hashtag it, group text. It probably would have group been... chat, Paul. I'm sorry, Darren. That's quite all right. Group chat. But <laughs> anyway, um, I, I think I think if if the Cardinals had really reached out and thought about or talked to any teams about it, it would have leaked out beforehand, which tells me the Cardinals weren't talking to anybody about it, which tells me it's probably unlikely that they want to deal them. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but I I would agree. I, I think he's going to be around, but we'll see. Hmm. It's well, been quite the offseason already. Well, he has two years left on his current contract. Yes, just like DeAndre Hopkins. Well, getting back to Danny's question, right before she admonished and corrected me, uh, the question was why, and, and yes, the question is, does he want a new deal or does he want out? And those are two totally different things. Is he looking at the fact that he has no guaranteed money left on his deal? He's due $13 million this year, $14 million plus next year. Is he looking at the fact that Derwin James staged his holdout the first three weeks of training camp last year, ended up with a record-breaking deal and is the highest-paid safety in the league at about $19 million per? Is he, is he looking at Jesse Bates, who just went from Cincinnati to Atlanta and is averaging $16 million per? I, but but in the, the, I'm pretty sure Derwin James – was Derwin James onto the franchise tag, though? He, all I know is he staged the whole yeah, thing at did. the beginning of the charge. Yeah, that's true. There I think was he was the in the final, final year, year of his deal. deal. Yep, and again, what these teams are very— And they have the same representation, by the way. Yeah. What these what these teams are loath to do is usually is to start redoing deals in the middle of contracts, which means more than one year left. Because once you set that precedent, everybody else wants to do it. And so that's why I think it's unlikely that they would want to do something at this point. So we'll see. I mean, look, I, I think we all agree. And, and Danny, you tweeted out something to this effect in you that if Buda Baker is not on this roster, the entire dynamic of the DNA of the team changes. And anybody who's been around Buda, anybody who watched Hard Knocks could see for themselves behind the scenes. NFL Films did a wonderful job of capturing what he means to the team on and off the field. Not just the defense, but the team as a whole. And Buda Baker is one of the franchise players on this team. He's he's one of the faces with Kyler Murray, and, and that's really kind of what you have at this point, uh, the two of them, as offense and defense. And you're right, the way that he leads by example and – how he inspires his teammates and motivating them. And it's not just words in the locker room and, and not just words because it is incredibly passionate. He goes out on the field and we've seen that when he's healthy, 
when he's not healthy, he is still out on the field, and that was also shown in Hard Knocks last season. He is the exact the epitome of a player you would want to build a team and a culture around. The right kind of attitude, accountable, holds others around him accountable, puts in that 100% effort every single day. That's the type of player you want in the locker room, which is why I would imagine both Monty Osifor and Jonathan Gannon mentioned Buda Baker when they were first announced with the Cardinals, because that's what you know. Everyone around the league knows Buda Baker, which goes back to what you were saying opening up the show, Paul, that pretty much I would imagine every single team, if the Cardinals made it known they were interested in hearing trade offers, everyone would probably be calling Monty Austin for its phone line pretty quickly. When they show footage of Bill Davis in the linebacker's room, citing to everyone, if you could only play like Buda Baker, play with this sort of intensity, We've heard Mike Tomlin, NFL Films clips pregame in the last few years, talking to Cardinals coaches, how Buda Baker jumps off the film. So we get it. You understand what it's all about. He's most definitely part of the solution, not part of the problem. So ideally, he is in the formula going forward, whatever you want to call this, rebuild, reset, retool. you got to figure Buda is – definitely in the plans and look we don't know anything I would imagine that would probably be playing a large role if that is the case of Buddha wanting a new contract and not having guaranteed money and knowing the situation where the team is and how much this team probably wants him I'm sure that's playing a role and I would also understand if that were the case the front office what you were talking about Darren teams don't like to set that precedent of you know reworking contracts when you still have multiple years left and the fact that this is the first year with this front office staff is this what they want to set moving forward for me, there's there's multiple moving pieces, and and look, I I love Buddha, and I hope that the Cardinals are able to keep him. And I understand, and I want to make this very clear. I said this in the mailbag. I have no problem with players complaining about the contract. That's just part of the deal. Um, now, some guys have more leverage than others, but that's just it. Teams know that this stuff is going to come up, and I don't, you know, I don't get emotional if if the player feels that way, and I don't get emotional if the team feels a certain way, and sometimes those don't align. The guaranteed money is interesting because when we say guaranteed money, we're talking about longer-term guaranteed money. Buda Baker is going to make $13 million this year. They're not cutting Buda Baker. So that money is virtually guaranteed. Um, And I would argue, unless something crazy happens, and I understand something always crazy can happen, that one way or the other, he'll get $14 million next year, too, if he plays out his contract. Now, you've got a first-year GM. You've got a first-year coach. We don't know where all these guys are going to fit. Now, Buda fits every team, so you know you're going to want them. But if you're Monty Osimfort, do you want to be locking down long-term contracts when you don't know exactly what direction you need this roster to go in yet? I think that's part of it, too. I think it's less about Buda and more about, like, okay, we we need to figure out how we kind of want to direct this. We don't know what kind of defense Nick Rallis is going to have out there. And if Nick Rallis benefits by having two very nicely paid safeties, which is what the Cardinals have right now. Well, and you can understand it to your point from both angles. Number one, you're Buda Baker. You were the guy who in the fourth quarter of a playout blow-off loss, uh, blowout loss on the road went into a collision El Grande with Cam Akers and had to be carted off the field. Face masks had to be taken off your helmet. And then last year, you had the severe ankle sprain, the high ankle sprain, and you ended up defying all the predictions. You ended up playing. You ended up finishing up a game with a 
busted shoulder blades. So yeah. you're that sort of player. So if your team Buddha and the people around him are saying you play with a sort of abandon, you try and get as much guaranteed money and as much security as you possibly can. Then again, if you're the Cardinals and you're not exactly sure where this whole roster is going, and you can count on one hand how many guys are locked up beyond two years on this roster, right? I mean, again, this is sea change for this team in terms of where the roster is going to be now and where it's going to be in a couple years. And at this point, it looks like you're going to have Kyler Murray. And beyond that, I think there's questions other than whoever you end up drafting early this year. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think you can understand. To me, you can understand both sides of it. I get it. And and would this be a little bit different if the Cardinals were expected to be a 12-win team? Possibly. But to, to your point, he's been banged up. Uh you know, he's not getting younger and yeah, you want to get as much as you can. And he's already gotten one big extension. And usually if you can get a second one, that's big time in the NFL. And that's what he's trying to do because the, the reality is that right now he's worth more than he will be when he's 29 in two years. I saw something online of maybe feeling secure if the Cardinals do trade Buda Baker, because that would allow you to move Isaiah Simmons into that safety spot. And to me, I, I don't, I don't, this, this coaching staff has said they don't even know where they're going to play Simmons. And so I don't particularly love that idea of we can trade Buda Baker because we have Isaiah Simmons. Th that's not the same to me at it's all. Not, it's not the same. That's why, <laughs> that's why it feels that way. Honestly, there's one safety in this league I'd put in the company, maybe two of Buda Baker, Derwin James, and Kevin Byer to the Titans. That's about it. So Isaiah Simmons, maybe on paper, but not in reality. And he certainly, you certainly can't count on Isaiah Simmons with his inconsistent play. Not, I, I know that's not your opinion, Danny. No, and I'm Those just saying, who are theorizing we, that, that's a huge step. We don't even know if the Cardinals are going to pick up Isaiah's fifth-year option right. at this point. Right. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is you're miss, you lose a lot in the locker room if you don't have Buda Baker, Absolutely. which we've already touched on. And so... There's there's multiple levels. Again, this, and I, again, could be completely wrong. This feels a lot to me like the Patrick Peterson request of a few years ago where Patrick wanted out and it was a big deal at the time, but eventually it just went away because the Cardinals weren't going to deal. And look, the reality is the last safety, Buddha size, who flew around with that sort of abandon had a very short career. His name was Bob Sanders. Yep. That's what I think of. So, and by the way, not the Cardinals linebackers coach. No. And I do remember when Rod Gray's left after a long time in the Cardinals front office, him telling us on his way out, half joking, half serious, you would have no idea how many players have tried to renegotiate their deals in the middle of the deal. How many players agents call on an almost daily basis looking for more money on long-term deals with several years left. So it's more the norm than the exception. We're just not typically aware of it. I mean, we go back in the day if we really want to talk about it, and obviously this became this was a very public situation, but Anquan Bolden, oh, I he didn't ask that, for a trade, we? but yeah. he definitely wanted a new contract, oh, yeah. and then he didn't get it, and he played for this team for two years. That's right, that is right, and relations were strained to say the least. That's fair. Uh, when during that situation, all right, so you have that, and then you have DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, doing using facial expressions on a video podcast to express whether he would be in favor 
of going to certain teams or not so much. What is it, Danny? Meh? M-E-H? Sorry, he kind of gave the meh, yeah. right? Yes, that is correct. See, Just had to ver- say I lost my confidence. This I had to is, verify. This is why. This is why in the mailbag this week it was brought up that we needed to do this on video so that everybody can see our expressions when Paul's talking well, to us. The facial expression Danny just gave me was a lot more severe than any facial expression D Hop gave Brian McFadden on the ATC podcast. It see, was, I didn't see this video, yeah. Paul. Oh boy, oh, you didn't? No. Oh, it was. Yeah. It was something else. So he he threw out four teams. Chiefs, Bills, Jets, and Patriots. And told Hop he didn't have to answer. He just said, yeah. make a facial what expression. What did he say? All except the Jets he'd go to? It was 50-50. Two oh. were basically thumbs up and two were thumbs down based on the facial Basically. reaction from D-Hop. Yeah. So he was all about the Chiefs and the Bills. Not so much, meh, with the Jets and New England Patriots. Makes sense. Yeah, Especially if those reports that the Patriots are interested in trading Mac Jones. That would make sense. Well, I mean, I think the Patriots, I, I think ultimately part of what Hop is talking about these days is who's going to throw in the ball. Right. And then not long after that, Hop himself tweeted out that he wasn't looking for a raise. In fact, here it is right here, quote, Hopkins doesn't want a raise, signed Nuke. So he, he went third person in he his did. own tweet. And then he deleted and the tweet, deleted it. which kind of made me think of that's the social media version of Once Upon a Time, Charles Barkley claiming he was misquoted in his own autobiography. Yes, that was <laughs> such a great time. I remember those days. Oh, that's what, uh, you know, that's what it made me think of. But you can't tell me that a Bills aren't interested, especially with Stefan Diggs, none too happy right now in Buffalo. It's wait, not... wait, there's other players that aren't, aren't happy? Because I, <laughs> yeah. I got the impression it was yeah. only the Cardinals yeah. players. Yeah. So... Uh, Look, I don't, I don't care what Brian McFadden is throwing out there in the four teams. I'm adding two teams to that. I still have the Bills, the Chiefs, the Jets, New England, Tennessee, and the Giants. I love how you, the D-Hop you keep having these really big lists of teams he could get traded to, and there's been no peeps of anything. I think they're all sandbagging. I really do. Have, until when? There's nobody left on the free agent market in terms of receivers. There's no plug-and-play in this draft that's ready to go day one. If you're a Buffalo and you think your window is now and you're on the verge and you are this close to beating Kansas City and Cincinnati and you think one player can get you over the top, guess what? D-Hop is that dude. So let me ask you a question if you have Tennessee on your list. We talked last week about a mock draft, a scenario of the haul that the Cardinals would get for trading from 3 to 11 in the draft. Mm-hmm. Is there a situation where DeAndre Hopkins is included in, in a trade? Absolutely. Yeah, because here's, here's what happens. You're the Cardinals. You trade, you trade with Tennessee 3 to 11. They give you the haul. And then the Cardinals turn around and trade DeAndre Hopkins back to the Titans and you get three back. It's kind of like draft day. Wow. Where somehow they ended up with like eight first-round picks in the first eight picks. That's right. Kevin Costner just waiting it out on hold on speakerphone. Of course. I haven't seen that one. uh, It's It's on my list. It's very realistic. Mm, Sounds like it. He basically condensed. Chadwick Boseman was awesome. He basically resets the entire franchise in one six-minute phone call (laughs) by keeping another GM on hold. Basically how it materializes if memory serves. So it was good theater. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so what do we, I mean, look, if you tell me, so I'll, I'll, I'll go exactly where I want Buda Baker. I don't expect it to happen in the least. I do expect a D hop trade to happen though. I, I would lean towards that same analysis. Agreed. I'd be, I'd be shocked if D hop is still a member of the Cardinals after this draft. And I think all the other teams are just playing hard to get. I think also if you were to have 
both players on this roster when the season starts. I think it's very different. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the situation with Buda Baker, if he is still on this team come fall, would be different than the Buda Baker we have seen because of this scenario. But I would like to think that having Buda Baker, if he were on this team in the fall, would still be the Buda Baker we know. And I'm, I'm not sure that DeAndre Hopkins would be as amenable. Hmm. Yes. I would agree with you there. I, it's funny because I was talking to somebody about this. Uh, again, this is going to be before Danny's time. But, Paul, do you recall when one David Johnson in the summer before, right before he got his contract extension didn't show up for like one day of voluntary stuff? And it was like, oh, I'm not going to come because of the contract. And then he like showed up like right after that. And he just he couldn't or he didn't show up for a mini camp and then he came for the voluntary stuff. It was something like that where it was like, I kind of want to make a point, but it's just not my personality to like just blow everything off. Now, could I see Buddha missing most of the voluntary stuff? Yeah, but I don't he's just I don't see him being a Holden guy like Derwin James. Not only do I remember it, I think I still have a scar on my right shoulder blade from the media crush in front of David Johnson's locker when everyone tried to get their microphone in there when he did show up the next day and fielded all these questions about his status and what he wanted. And not long after that, he got the bag. Yeah. He got the oh, three no, years, it. $30 million. It was right before the season because it was. The, I finally went to an Arizona State football game. My friend offered me a ticket, and I went with him. And, of course, I get a phone call while we're tailgating. Yeah, this is happening in like an hour. Well, you should have known, Darren. Probably saved you from the inevitable ASU loss, or is that is they that beat my, Michigan State that, that night? Oh, you missed me. the Michigan State <laughs> win at home. I, no, I was there. Oh, yes. I didn't go anywhere. Oh, okay. I ended up All having right. to call up a certain other person who had to do the story. Hopefully, you weren't sitting we next shall to remain unnamed right now. I mean, uh, for your own good fortune, I hope you weren't sitting next to Rob Frederickson because you know no. Rob, Rob in person watching a Michigan State football game, and the, if, I was, they're, if they're losing, he comes up swinging. I was sitting among Michigan State fans, however, because. <laughs> It was me and Paul Coro, who's a good friend of mine, who's was good friends with a Michigan State alum. Gotcha. Uh, he by, wasn't happy. By the way, how did Pat's run go for you there, Darren? How, how did that good. go? Yeah. Okay. I apparently I outran Andrew Kaskin in our football personnel hey. department. Oh. <laughs> well, he he made the how's that to me taste, today. Andrew? He comes up to me and he goes, "You did better than me." I'm like, "No, I didn't." And he goes, "Yeah," and he looked them both up. Andrew is a one-time. He was on the roster at one point for a short amount yep. of time. Yep. You know, and I didn't realize it was going to be like 29,000 people. You would have if you would have come. I, you know what? That's fair. It actually looks a lot of fun. I'd like to do it next year. I will put out the email as soon as the season's over, as I do every year. There were about 20 times more people for the run than the spring game. Did you go to the spring game, Darren? I did not go, did to, the not go to the spring Sorry, game. Sorry, fellow yeah. Chaparral grad, yeah. Kenny Dillingham. I did not go to the spring game. So... Uh, by the way, we have a new mock draft out. This is an extra special mock draft because this is a Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay combo where they actually alternate in making picks. So just when you thought every single possible formula for a mock draft was already done, uh, no, they went Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, number two, Will Anderson, three, just to let you know. They went all the way through three rounds, and I bring this up because here's a new name associated with the Cardinals, and I like this pick. At number 66, atop round three, Cardinals go receiver out of Tennessee, Cedric Tillman. You look it up, 6'3", 4'5", 4'40". 
He had a breakout junior year, 12 touchdown catches in the SEC. He was big time. He had two of his best games against Bama and Georgia, but then he had a sprained ankle in like week three of this season, so he sort of was off the radar. Beautiful. Take the big receiver out of Tennessee in round three. I would love that sort of pick. You know, I had, when I was on uh, Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grillo last week, we kind of talked about receivers. And by that point, I had said, you know, I don't, I don't see any scenario where you would need to take a receiver before day three, just for the sole fact that the Cardinals have plenty of other glaring needs. And because this isn't a particularly deep wide receivers draft class. And you're building from the inside out. Yes. But he brought up a good point of looking at, especially if you don't have DeAndre Hopkins, how many of those receivers are going to be playing in contract years. And if the point of the draft is still to, you know, plan ahead for the future, yes, defensive line, offensive line, cornerback, edge rusher are all more glaring needs than a wide receiver. However, if you feel like you can get some size and there's going to be a player who might be a little more raw, but you can help fine tune their skills to where it might be worth it. I would now be more open after talking on that podcast with Craig to taking a wide receiver as early as round three. I mean, it it makes sense to me on a lot of different levels um, because of all the guys that are going to be in their contract years. And again, the Hopkins things changes a lot. You buy time if DeAndre Hopkins, is still on this team and if he's not on this team you're going to need somebody a big somebody I do believe though that receiver yes is going to be addressed at some point in this draft and you know what if you trade Hop and you get more picks I also believe that you go from eight picks to nine or ten picks you know I, I know my hot take is still out there and I'm standing by it Isaiah Simmons do they explore trading Isaiah Simmons let me ask you a question If indeed they were going to pick up Isaiah Simmons' fifth-year option, wouldn't we already know that? I mean, they have until May 1st. We've heard so so often that they want to see him out on the field. I'm sure they're serious about that. You don't think so? Well, there's a voluntary veteran minicamp. Did I mention it's voluntary? It's next week leading up to the draft. So I guess we'll find out. I'm volunteering. I'll be there. I guess we'll find out if Isaiah Simmons will even be there. For the coaches to evaluate. You know, it's you might not be entirely too far off. It it might be like a a simmering take, maybe not a hot take, just because with however this coaching staff wants to take the defense, maybe Isaiah Simmons wouldn't be the right kind of fit that Vance Joseph thought he would be in the previous regime's defense, right? I mean, he was going back and forth, linebacker playing more safety and – playing in the slot and and all these other places and maybe that isn't where this coaching staff right like like maybe he just isn't as good of a fit with that skill set here now as he once was and you're right I think other teams would be willing to make a trade for Isaiah Simmons Uh, Isaiah Simmons is an elite athlete yeah it's not to say that he's a bad player doesn't wouldn't add more to the defense if he were still here we all agree on that but just who are you where are you where do you belong in the NFL? You know, everyone makes this Hassan Reddick comparison, especially with a fifth-year option hanging out there. I, I get that to a certain degree, but remember, Hassan Reddick had already excelled at one position in college. He was an All-American as an edge rusher. So when they returned him to edge rusher, he felt immediately at home. You know, it was like a fish to water. Now, Isaiah Simmons, you can't say that about him. He played a half dozen different positions in college. He's played a half dozen different positions in the NFL. 
you ask different players and different coaches where he belongs, and you get different answers. Even last year, they started the offseason by putting him in the safety room. That's where he resided in terms of a physician group. So he's there's still an absence of an answer as to where he belongs in an NFL defense. Now, maybe this coaching staff already has something in mind. I've asked the question multiple times during press conferences. They are not willing to answer it, not yet. So whether they know, whether he's in the future plans or not, once again, I would not be shocked if indeed there was interest in Isaiah Simmons come the draft time and it was entertained. I I mean, I think at this point, guys, I mean, let's face it. I would think everybody's potentially could be on the table right now. Including you, Paul. Just kidding. That was a... Pretty Just funny, kidding. actually. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think I think where they are as a team, what they need, what how they're going to need to build to the future. I mean, I, I'm taking calls on everybody. If somebody wants to call, I don't know if I'm shopping, but I, I, I'm taking calls. Yeah, I agree, and I don't think it's necessarily. All, it, it wouldn't all just be because you don't know whether or not they're a good fit here. I think where the Cardinals find themselves is you have a lot of work to be done to turn things around from the inside out. And so if you can get a lot for a player, even if they might be great, that might be worth it to have more capital, whether that is through draft picks in the future or other veterans to come in kind of in multiple positions and kind of, you know, plan ahead for the future more so in that sense. There's just there's a lot of work that has to be done to where you're right, Darren. I think at this point your phone lines have to be open for any player. So how far do you think this veteran voluntary minicamp will go in the coaches trying to get a sense of who they have and what their interest is? And how much can you really accomplish out on that field? And how much will seeing some of these players in person for the first time as opposed to film? And they've obviously watched every single snap of every game at this point, the new coaching staff of who's going to be in each one of the position rooms. But I don't know, to what degree do you think maybe – what you see out on that grass might sort of confirm or deny what you already think about a player and then result in a move or not. I mean, I find it hard to believe at one voluntary minicamp and it's the first time that they're on the field at all because they haven't been on the field at all other than running and doing conditioning. I don't, I don't think anything is being decided yeah. now. Yeah. Now, and that's, that's part of the issue. Like, People talk about you. You mentioned the fact about potentially trading Isaiah. They're not gonna know what they want to do with Isaiah going into the draft. They're not gonna know. They're not. There's not gonna be enough time. I mean, I shouldn't say they're not gonna know. They might have an idea what they want to do, but they're not gonna know how that translates to the field enough. So, I mean, some of this stuff is gonna have to be determined that way, and um, and that's where the the other parts of it become fascinating. Is our I agree. You want to draft now. You want draft picks now if you're making any of these potential trades. But these trades don't have to happen draft weekend. They could happen later. True. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm operating on a, on a two year timeline. For example, like that USC offensive lineman Andrew Voorhees, who yes, tore his ACL. Tore his ACL at the combine. It was terrible, and but then he came back and actually. Topped everyone in the bench press, which was great to see. With a torn ACL. With a torn ACL. So let's say he really falls because of the ACL. Guess what? If he's an elite offensive lineman, I would invest a pick right there and just wait it out and pencil him in for 2024. Not like you sort of did with Marquise Hayes. Now Marquise Hayes isn't in the same caliber of player coming out of Oklahoma, but he impressed in camp and 
you kept him on and kept him around because you're thinking, okay, 2023, and I think we're all curious to see what he looks like out there. What else? What else do you think needs to be accomplished? Can be accomplished during this voluntary mini camp? Where do you think Jonathan Gannon's eyes are going to go along with Monty Asenfort? What would you be most curious to maybe ascertain in those three days? Well, this is where Darren correct that part of the workouts. It's offense isn't going up against defense, but they're no, you can you can because this is officially a mini camp, so they can't put on helmets and it can be offense defense. This is phase three work. We're just jumping ahead a little bit. Interesting. And, and, and I'll say this. Can you necessarily prove anything definitive? Maybe not. But you can prove you don't belong. Yes. Like cornerbacks, for example. That's happened before. Get roasted by receivers, and you're like, oh, boy, this guy's not an NFL cornerback. Sorry. And he's gone. So you, you can learn those sort of things. Can a guy really move? Is he, you know, is he more of a box player? Can he actually be, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think too of just kind of looking at those fundamentals. What kind of what are they working with essentially this coaching staff and also maybe the type of learners they have on this roster, whatever that is of the coaching staff working with these players and maybe understanding the new nuances and things of that nature, you know, how fast can you learn what this new coaching staff is trying to teach you? I I'm we're not going to know for sure, and we're way far away. But I mean, this team now has three veteran quarterbacks on the roster that have all started a couple, at least a few games. I mean, David Blau has only started a few, but uh, eleven for Jeff Driscoll, and then of course, of course, Colt McCoy. I mean, everybody's making the assumption Colt is your starter until Kyler gets back, but it's not guaranteed, and and it's going to be interesting to see if one of these other guys can make some inroads. And and like you said, you're not making any decisions absolute right now. Um, but you know, this is a chance to impress even before the rookies show up. I mean, the, at the end of the mini camp, that's when the draft starts. Uh, you know, you know, you're going to be taking a cornerback for instance and all that stuff. But if you're Christian Matthew, can you make some inroads right now to this staff? So, you know, you might be drafting a cornerback, but even though I'm a seventh round pick from last year, I can do some things. Yep. I mean, I also want to see some of these guys out there. You know, whether maybe they – what sort of offseason do they have? Were they able to bulk up a little bit, especially some of the rookies? What do they look like after a full NFL offseason and being around the weight room and, and that sort of thing, especially like a guy like a Christian Matthew coming out of a smaller school. All right, so what does four months working out on your own do for you and maybe some of your measurables? But you mentioned, mentioned the three veteran quarterbacks. Jeff Driscoll comes over and – it makes sense in some ways. He has experience with uh, David Sears from the Detroit days. He was actually a teammate of David Blau once upon a time. And as Drew Stanton has said multiple times on the Red Sea Report this offseason, you want to make sure you have the mix, that vibe in the quarterback room. You don't want to take a chance on an unknown in the quarterback room somehow being a negative influence or of any sort when you have a franchise quarterback, right? So, boom. True. You, you got to bring in a known. So everyone feels comfortable with the Jeff Driscoll, big arm. Heck, I think you're still going to add a quarterback in the draft. I really do. I would agree with that later on in the draft. If we had cameras in here, I'd ask them to roll a replay because when you were talking about having the right type of person in the room, I got some sharp eyes from Darren Urban over there. Just saying. I was wondering if those were directed to anyone in particular, and the answer is you, actually, Danny. So, okay. Yeah, it appears to be that way, Paul. All right. Well, you know – He's going on the offensive after, you know, I took the brunt of your criticism <laughs> earlier. So Darren's decided maybe the he best must way. Know, he knows he's yeah, next. Fight fire with fire. So there's that. Um, no, I agree. You still got to take a quarterback yeah. late in the draft. And you're right. You don't know what they think of a Colt McCoy. Who knows? Um, but 
I, I fully expect a day three quarterback and probably a dual threat quarterback so you can run a, run a very similar offense to what you're going to run when you have Kyler Murray in the huddle. So we'll see about that. Um, you know, as for whether quarterback is going to go one, two in this draft, we continue to have a lot of smoke being thrown out there. You heard uh, John McClain, the great John McClain uh, of the Houston Texans, been covering them for decades. Asked the GM Nick Casario, could you come out of this draft without a quarterback? And Casario said, quote, anything is possible. Nope. Sorry. You are coming out of this draft I mean, with a quarterback on. if you're the Houston Texans. What come else, on. What else are they going to say? Yeah. To me, it's, it's all smoke. Again, maybe something crazy could happen where the Texans stay at two and they don't draft a quarterback, but they're also sitting at 12. So at the very least, they would probably pick a quarterback there. You would find some sort of package to trade up and get a quarterback or I, see, I just I don't see them not drafting a quarterback at two. Here's here's the issue that I have with the quarterback at twelve because now you're talking about probably getting the maybe the fourth or fifth best guy. No, yeah, you'd probably trade up, but but that by that point, right? Is that how far are you willing to trade up? If the, if that's what your plan is, you might as well take a quarterback at two. That's my that's would be my point. My point is is just take the quarterback at two. Why would you why would you gamble on trying to get somebody and. You know, the Cardinals did that once upon a time. They ended up with the fourth quarterback. The fifth quarterback? I forget how many quarterbacks. Fourth. It was the fourth. And that didn't work out very well. No, No, it didn't. Um, And they traded up to get him. Yeah. By the way, someone put out a stat on... on, That's Josh Rosen, everybody. Someone put out a stat on Josh Rosen because on draft day he made the comment, both to the media and at our draft day party, by the way, hint, hint, draft day party going on on the Great Lawn out at... State Farm Stadium. In fact, he said it first in the satellite hookup, the one-on-one interview. We were up on the stage, and he said, nine mistakes were made ahead of me. I'll be the best quarterback in this draft. Someone pointed out that he actually has nine more career interceptions than he does career touchdown passes in the NFL. So that's the nine mistakes for Josh Rosen. By the way, Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM on the Pat McAfee show this week, said he does not believe Houston will draft C.J. Stroud after Bryce Young goes number one to Carolina, that D'Amico Ryans is in it for the long haul, and that they don't believe that C.J. Stroud is the guy, hence they won't make him the guy. And then he went on to say, and I'm quoting Michael Lombardi now, quote, I think teams are now starting to accept that Stroud is not going number two, and I think more work is being done, end quote, Michael Lombardi. So let's just throw this out there because we talked about this on the Red Sea Report. Bryce Young goes number one. Will Anderson goes number two. Cardinals are on the clock number three. All of a sudden, teams have soured for whatever reason on C.J. Stroud. Maybe he doesn't interview well. I don't know. They're not willing to come up to number three for Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. Cardinals are sitting there at number three. They're on the clock. They're not getting an offer they can't refuse. Who do you take? Do you go corner? Do you go with the Illinois corner, Devin Witherspoon? Do you go Christian Gonzalez? What does my board look like, Paul? I, I just go off my board. What does my board look like? Tyree Wilson, because your board is always a mix of talent and need. Yep. That's a well, s- dire you need. Well, quarterback, cornerback you just need- as much as edge rush. I get it, but if you don't have corner as one of those – you know, highest rated positions, for example, I, I definitely think I mean, in terms of quarterback, draft. quarterback, get to the quarterback are always one, two, I think, in terms of every team's need. Um, so it's a great question because it is a possibility. 
if C.J. Stroud does not go number two, Cardinals aren't taking C.J. Stroud. And if nobody wants him at three, who do you take if Will Anderson's off the board? And this I'm, is I'm assuming seeing, I'm not I'm, trading down. Yeah, I was going to say, the next thing I'm doing is, like, is there somebody who but does want C.J. Stroud? Paul was saying you're not no, getting saying, an no, offer Nobody has given you a great offer for C.J. Um, Stroud at three. I'd probably go Tyree Wilson. Probably go with I'd probably lean rusher. that way. I mean, I know cornerbacks have gone three, but like I just was talking in the mailbag this week about Jeff Okuda, who went third, and that did not work out very well, and the, the Lions have already traded him. And he For was a, a fifth-round pick. That's it. They traded Jeff Okuda for a fifth-round pick. See, I, this, is, this is good This is because it came up, and a fan said, why wouldn't we offer at least a fourth? If he's going for a fifth, why wouldn't we offer a fourth? Does it not bother anybody? that no one was willing to offer more than a fifth for Jeff Okuda. You're going to tell me yep. the Detroit Lions said took the first fifth round offer and didn't and didn't try and see if anybody wanted to do better. Doesn't that tell you something about yeah. Jeff Okuda? Okay. Yeah. I'm no. just saying yeah, like everybody enough. falls in yep. love with like why couldn't we have gotten that guy? Yep. Well, guess what? The Cardinals did that last year. They 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 went after a, a former first round pick. I can't remember if he was former first or second. But they traded a fourth round pick for a guy that washed out at his previous team and they said we're going to take a flyer on him. And guess what? Cody Ford didn't do much. So, yeah. Well, and you gave up multiple picks for Robbie Anderson. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. So, okay. There you go. I'm not sure I got I an wasn't answer. bringing up chosen. I'm not sure I got an answer to my question though. Who are you taking at number 3? Uh, everyone sort of has conveniently avoided That's that. That's not true. Okay. I said Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson. All right. By the way, you know it's line season. Tyree works for me, too. When you have Carolina GM Scott Fitterer telling the media with a straight face that he still, quote, still hasn't asked Frank Reich who he prefers with number one overall. Scott Fitterer said that this week. He still hasn't asked his head coach who he prefers. This is starting to feel like the Kyler Murray thing around here, like – we haven't decided, and we're not talking <laughs> yeah, to anybody. I, just, and, yeah. I don't know. Can you fully believe yeah. everything that they're saying at this point? Speaking of Kyler Murray, there's been a lot of questions in Carolina about the size, obviously, of Bryce Young, and uh, the GM was equipped with a stat. He said Russell Wilson, his senior year at Wisconsin, had three balls batted down all year. Bryce Young last year had two balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. So that was his way of explaining that, you know, guys who are 5'10", figure out a way to get it done. You know, they've guys been, who are 5'10 and they, have... They've been 5'10 their whole life, so they've had to figure out a way to see the field and find passing lanes. And so, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so uh, there's that. I just thought I'd throw that out there because I find that entertaining leading up to the draft. Some of the, you know, obfuscation uh, and elsewhere in this thing. But And by the way, you know, if you really want what's going to happen on D-Hop, do you see Von Miller told the Buffalo News, quote... I talk to Hop all the time, and it's kind of the same thing with OBJ. You just never know until you know. Hop said he wanted to be a Buffalo Bill. Von Miller to the Buffalo News this week. I'm sure he would. Sure he would. You pay him, and he'll play anywhere. Yeah. You pay him, and you send a second-round draft pick to the Cardinals, and he'll play anywhere. He'll play anywhere. Because guess what? He's not a free agent. And hasn't been. All right, so uh, what I didn't glance at the mailbag yet, Taryn. Uh, how many questions did you get about the uh, alleged new uniforms? What, what, what uh, kind of? What you kind know, of... it's funny. I didn't get any this week. Come on now. No, but I mean, again, there were other topics on the table that people wanted to talk about. That is true. Unfortunately, 
-hmm. Potential linear forms is not one of them. There was nothing about the case in the middle of the desert and DJ Humphreys taking the chopper out there to retrieve the case. And not that I got. I like the double. I like his his name, Agent 0074. Yeah, that is, that was that solid. That was pretty. Quality. That was well I, done. I did enjoy that. Uh, he might want to. He might want to use some of that. Actually, he might want to use that moniker going forward in marketing. Agent 0074. Yeah, it's good. I like it. That's uh, it's well done. So. Uh, I think you probably get props with uh, DJ Humphreys if you refer to him in that manner, you know. And Deej, by the way, do us all a favor this year. Talk to the media more often, okay? Get, you know, share that vibrant, effervescent personality with the fine media in front of the cameras and the microphones because you crush it every time, you know. Don't um, be a little more willing with that. It's just Calvisi insulting throwing that out there for you. All right, there you go. Bingo cards are being marked down. I thought I'd throw that out. Darren, wasn't there something you wanted to mention that you said save it for the podcast before we actually hit oh, record. Yes. Uh, Wasn't that's there something true. Out there? I had forgotten about that because I yep. know our fine friends in Germany on the German Berging listen to our podcast. Mm. And we did do, uh, Danny and I did a podcast with them this week. I, I'm surprised. This I, week? I'm surprised. Isn't that like. They sent their condolences. Isn't Paul. that like three in a row just the two <laughs> of you have done with the German Berging? Two. Would you like to do the next one? <laughs> cool. Would you like to do the no, next one? No, they did. They did send their love to Polly Podcast, <laughs> oh, and that is what they called no, you. They did. Yes, yes, they, they did. did. Okay. Yeah, we'll find it okay. if you want. Yeah. All right. Um, and so, yes, we want to pass along that they did send their love. By the way, that reminds me, I have a picture on my phone from late last season. There were like five members of the German Bird Gang. And it was many hours before kickoff. I'm going in for the pregame show, and they were taking pictures with the German Bird Gang banner right in front of State Farm Stadium. I never tweeted that out. Oh, you were going in. Into I was the going in, and they were taking pictures. I took a picture of them taking a picture of themselves in front of State Farm Stadium. <laughs> so I have that on my phone. So just to show what a big-hearted human being I am, I'll retweet the podcast. With the two of you only <laughs> in it, yet I'll cross-promote it via my own platform, my own poly platform it, with the picture. It was video, and oh. the whole time Danny was complaining she had to sit too close to me, so I don't know if three of us would have worked. Wait a minute. Was that one of those yeah. situations where somebody comes up to you, uh, can we have a picture? And you're like, yeah, sure. And you're like, here, take this phone and then take a picture <laughs> of us. No, they were taking pictures of themselves. I just came by as an innocent bystander. and just Oh, so bumped. they didn't know who you were? No, they had no idea. I don't think they even noticed that I took a picture of them taking a oh, picture oh, of themselves. Oh, oh. They, you didn't take it yeah. for them. You just no, did it. No, no. I, I actually, no, I have the whole thing. So, okay. Okay. You guys. Uh, makes a little more sense. You guys, since I'm sure they don't follow me either identify where the tweet is with the podcast and once again i'll retweet it anyway wait you don't follow german bird game on no i'm pretty sure i do my twitter timeline is such a mess okay, right we're now not is anybody i mean there's reasons for that paul you know that right <laughs> and i i firmly blame the bay area and certain people that have <laughs> businesses yeah. there yeah i'm gonna have to have the people i went to high school with to probably involved with this oh, the, the mess that is twitter right now why is it, by the way, my one my one rant here at the end at Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. When you select show fewer tweets from, does that even work? <laughs> that, that's like deep. Honestly, I feel like it depends now who you're asking to show fewer tweets about. Wait, I've never even seen this. What is this? Oh, thing? yeah. If you, like, if you get a tweet in your timeline that you're like, where did this come from? You select it, you're presented with options. Is that just for an ad, though? I think it's just for ads. No, no, it's from it, it is? It's, it's from content. If the day has come where, where Paul Calvisi is 
teaching Darren and myself about technology. I will, I will, once once we turn off these microphones, I will show you, and I will show you some of the repeat offenders who I keep <laughs> deselecting, and and I hit the button, sure, fewer tweets from. And actually, I think it's just the opposite. It's sort of like spam. Once you acknowledge, you try and block spam, and then it increases exponentially. That's what's going on right now. Well, again, I thought you were close personal friends with Elon Musk, so <laughs> I'm sure you could just talk to him. Yeah. Having grown up in the Silicon Valley, I don't want to talk about some of the losers I went to high school with who got like Yahoo stock 20 years ago, and they're multi-billionaires right now, and that kind of those kind of stories with dot coms that they cashed in on. It's really aggravating. I it's could really understand aggravating. That. Yeah. So, thanks for making me feel better about myself here on this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. As I wear the big L, as my 13-year-old would tell me.